And now, here's Matt Mosley. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, and we have entered the 5 o'clock hour. I just saw the first family of Baylor walk by. Uh, Some of the bears are making their way around. I'm hearing some live music here in the lobby, some Christmas carols, getting a little closer. And uh, so this was going to be exciting. Uh, Tomorrow night, game 6.30, our pregame show will begin tomorrow at 2.30. And we'll be on the TCU campus for that one. Tom and I will do that. And that, of course, is through the, uh, the Baylor uh, the, the Office of Baylor Alumni. Now joining us, Kevin Longquist. And, uh, Kevin, I'm sorry I'm running a, a, a little bit late. I, uh, we had a Purple Heart and a, uh, a Bronze Star recipient on, and that was uh, pretty remarkable as we get ready for this Armed Services Bowl. It, it is, Kevin, it's, uh, we're reminded of uh, it, it, that's uh, to me the most special thing about this bowl. I mean, I I always enjoy watching my alma mater and everything, but honoring the armed services, I don't think we can do it enough. No, uh, not at all. In fact, it's it has a personal connection to me because my father, God rest his soul, was a, a tail gunner in B twenty nines and B twenty fives in World War Two. So I I have a personal affinity for the military and uh because of that reason and the connection that i have with it through my father well it's uh yeah it's it's a special thing and then i think it's going to be from a a game standpoint we'll get into the news of the day here in a second but kevin the uh to watch two very different programs now baylor does like to kind of slow it down i guess there are some similarities but to watch a team that's rarely going to put it in the air but the precision with what and if if we if we thought about you know navy's had some pretty good years army's been a little better in recent years army's been winning that game and that led to the navy coach getting fired here recently but i think if we went back over the last 20 years uh or maybe even longer air force has honestly they don't get as much attention because the army navy thinks it's a huge game but Air Force is not just oh they're one of the, they're an academy, they're good. They win a lot of games and they got a chance to win a tenth game. And I, I, I just keep having this thought: if Baylor just kind of walk goes through the motions tomorrow night, they could get run out of that building. Well, there's a couple things here. I mean, you have the nation's number one rushing offense in the Falcons that are about 330 yards a game. Uh, Hazik Daniels, their quarterback, is excellent in his decision-making ability. You're right. Uh, they've won four straight coming into this game. And, you know, the thing about them is that they can also choke the life out of a game, too, because they're averaging, time of possession-wise, 36 minutes a game. Now, I don't think I've ever seen that before with a team that could do that. I mean, I've, you know, typically teams that run the football like in the option like Air Force or Army or Navy does, they're going to be in the 30s somewhere, but not 36. Um, and the way that they've been able to do it. And then the other thing that they've been doing very well this year is playing defense. They have the nation's number one total defense in the country at 256. And they're playing in the Mountain West Conference against pretty solid programs like San Diego State, Colorado State, who wasn't very good this year. But, you know, those types of programs are Wyoming. And they're 
15 points away from being undefeated. They lost their three games by a total of 15 points. So Baylor probably, or better, understand what it's facing tomorrow night. Yeah, I, you're you're right. It, it's uh, it is a it's and it, it it's hard not to admire because like today at the news conference, Kevin, they the the coach was introducing both coaches were introducing their two players, and the one coach, uh, you know, Ca- Coach Calhoun from the Air Force said, "Well, I want to introduce you to our linebacker, so and so, sixteenth. He graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy." as a second lieutenant in the Air Force and will now begin right. his commission. And, and honestly, Tom mentioned this to me as we were walking back. He's like, I kind of wanted to clap. And I kind of thought, mm-hmm. well, that I, I think that would have been appropriate uh, because <laughs> it's uh, I think it's a pretty cool thing. Now, Kevin, this is a uh, a day that you you build toward all year round. And this is that early signing period, which it used to be in February, the, the National Signing Day. There still is that, but it's not what it used to be. This is the monster day in terms of – and that news that we hinted at two days ago about Austin Novosad, and I think you called it some tension that you felt mm-hmm. out there, did come to fruition. And Oregon was able to flip him. I, Kevin, most times – players teams you know coaches especially they're always going to tell you we love our class oh it's a great class right. and, and dave aranda uh, you know attempted to, to to send that message earlier today but kevin this class that we've been talking about with you for many many months now this just puts such a damper on things and oh, and, yeah. and and it just it kind of undermines a lot of the great things the bears have done in putting this class together, and I, I just, I don't know, Kevin. There, I don't, I can't imagine too many more gut punches. I'm sure some other flips happened today, but none that probably hurt as much as what the Bears had happen. Yeah, if you think about it, Matt, you go back to October when Christian Brathwaite, uh, the linebacker down at Cy, uh, uh, down there in Cy uh, Fair, had. Uh, Cy Ranch, excuse me, had flipped to uh, LSU. So that was kind of like, uh, okay. And then it just kind of started to, if you will, snowball a little thick, a little bit more. You know, Calvin Clements, the offensive lineman from uh, from Lawrence, Kansas, flips to Kansas, which you know, I didn't never, I didn't think of that one as a big, big loss. But then when Torian York decommits, the linebacker out of Temple, and then he eventually signs with A and M, that hurt. And then when it started to grow a lot more about the whole thing with Novasad. Uh, it was like, and then of course when it got when it came down late last night that it was happening and that he was going to flip, it was almost like, oh geez, and it, and it just it, the thing that hurts this Matt is the fact that you're going to go into the spring semesters, which starts in mid January, at least at the conclusion of tomorrow night's bowl game, with one scholarship quarterback on your roster. Everybody else is a walk on there. And I know that Dave Aranda, because I saw a tweet on it, but Dave was talking about trying to go into the portal to maybe get a replacement quarterback. But, you know, there's there's a couple things to this. Number one, this is we're not replacing Zach Pyron in 2022 when he flipped to go to Georgia Tech and they didn't replace him. That hurts. That hurts that. Okay. so then during the course of the next calendar year, you lose Gary Bohannon, who loses the quarterbacks race to Blake Shapin. Which, you know, understandably, we could see that coming. But then you use, but then you lose 
you know, a ballyhooed uh, walk-on in C.J. Rogers, who, you know, there's a lot of scuttle about whether or not he was going to get a scholarship or not after the spring game. But he goes down, but he eventually leaves, and then he gets put on scholarship down at, at Texas State. Then, after the season, all the rumors of Kyron Drones leaving come to fruition, and he winds up going to Virginia Tech. So the fact that you were going to potentially have a quarterback competition, which I thought there was going to be one between Shapin and potentially Austin Novoseth, that's not going to happen. And so this is where your depth chart's really challenged. And if Baylor goes into the, the camp, goes into the portal, Matt, and they get somebody who could possibly arrive by the middle of January or maybe a week after or whatever, they can't sell that idea to that portal candidate that you're going to come here and hold a clipboard and signal and wear a baseball cap and signal plays in from the sideline. You've got to tell him that he's going to be in contention for the starting job or else you're not going to attract anybody to uh, come there from the portal. Yeah. Uh, talking to Kevin Lonquist from Rivals.com, and you can follow him at Sikkim Sports. Kevin, the uh, lobby where we're doing the show here at the Worthington has some live music that's just started up here at about 5 o'clock. They sound good. Are they you sound good. They sound yeah, I may jump in there. I, I honestly okay. thought it was going to be some Christmas carols and that type of stuff, and they're going with a little bit more of a contemporary feel. I was really wanting, I thought, with the Baptists running around here, we might get some uh, Come All You Faithful and some, some good, you know, First Noel and that type of thing. This sounds almost like some 70s that I'm hearing down there, but I just wanted you to know if you heard something in the background, that is what is happening Yeah, here at the uh, the Worthington now, Kevin, from a, I want to just run this with you a little bit. Did, I mean, how bad? I mean, this is a bad for everybody. Okay, so I kind of hate right. to single people out, but for Sean Bell, the you know the the quarterbacks coach, the, I mean, I think Sean has really. Uh, I think Dave Aranda thinks highly of him, but we also know Dave Aranda isn't hesitant to fire coaches uh, at times. I'm not saying he's going to do something here immediately with Sean, but you know how this works, Kevin. Whoever the primary recruiter is, and when it comes to these quarterbacks, Sean is the guy. Fair or not, that's the guy these, these players are most attached to. And there are recruiting coordinators and all these different various people. But the main face of the whole recruitment is none other than Sean Bell. And, and I just wonder, how, how, do you, how must he be feeling? And, and, and how, how, how rough of a reflection is this on Sean? Well, I think it cuts a couple of ways here. Because, obviously, it goes back to Sean first and foremost because he's the one that developed the rapport with Austin and got him to commit, obviously, December 16th of 2021. That's how early Baylor got in on it, on Austin last year. And, in fact, I'll never forget that Austin committed the day after signing day, or maybe it was two days after, one of the two. But, anyway, it, it happened relatively quick after 2021 signing day. But I think there's a lot of ownership here that the, that the staff has to take for this. It's not only Sean, it's Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator, and then it goes back to Aranda. Remember, Dave was the last one to see Austin, uh, late Friday afternoon uh, before everything uh, went upside down uh, with Oregon. And so uh, here's the thing, Matt. You, you've also covered the NFL for many, many years, so you understand this. 
but it's starting to migrate this way too, where in college and in the NFL, the head coach and the quarterback or quarterback room are tied at the hip. And if you mismanage this, it, it, that means that you're, you're not going to stick around for long. I mean, look at Matt Rule. He, he didn't last in Carolina because he, for mainer, mainly because he couldn't manage his quarterback room. And now you've got this instability with your quarterback situation there at Baylor that it's looking pretty bare right now. And they're going to have to really, after the game tomorrow night, like the first thing on Friday morning, they're going to have to really grind out you know, the potential options to come there because you cannot go into 2023 fall camp not spring, but fall camp, at, at the very least, with one scholarship quarterback. Because if you do, you're just asking for it. And, I mean, they won't do that, but this just puts them in such a different light for this. And, of course, when you have that relationship and then you get the carpet pulled from you at the last second, it just shows you that how fragile relationships are and that you've got to make sure that you have it locked in. And I don't know if Baylor's, you know, Poor finish and the way the offense kind of struggled at the end played a role in this. I'm sure it did to an extent, but of course you got a new offensive coordinator in Will Stein at Oregon that kind of brought in an approach that I think appealed to Austin. And, you know, look, Oregon's not playing for a championship or anything, but they do have an offense there that does have some flash to it, and that, and that appeals to it. And I think if you're Austin and you look at it and say, if I want to go play in the NFL, which offense can I be a part of that can help get me there faster? Is it going yeah. to be in Waco, or is it going to be in Eugene? And he must have felt that it was in Eugene. You know, I Kevin Longquist on with Rivals.com, at Sikkim Sports is where you can follow him. I think, Kevin, there were some red flags along the way. I think yeah. some of us chose to try to ignore those. I thought it was weird, and I said it at the time. You remember the, the recommitment, that was a weird deal. It's like, wait, you already committed. Okay, now we're going to get together and, like, have a yeah. – this guy liked being pursued. And this mm-hmm. this family liked the attention. Okay, I don't think I'm – and, again, that describes 80% of all these, all these recruits. So I'm not breaking news there, but I'm just saying that that, that Stein guy, the, who you were talking about, that, that Will Stein from UTSA, he was there early. Okay, and then, boy, he, when he got that Oregon job, he knew what he had because suddenly mm-hmm. he had leverage. Suddenly he had Power 5, Pac-12, um, and, and he took an early relationship that he had and he built on it. Now, do I, know, do I think Austin Novosad is going to be the greatest quarterback ever? Who knows? I mean, think about how many of these really great five-star guys end up transferring almost right away. And, I mean, who who knows? I wish him, I wish him the best. But the Bears are in a bad – I mean, based on where we were, and I'm talking about where we were located, at the Sugar Bowl and all that kind of stuff last year, where the Bears were and, and how this feels today feels kind of like night and day. And there's, oh, not, a, there's not a great spin to put on this. No, there's not. And it's, you know, they did sign some pretty good linemen. I mean, they, uh, you know, they, they got Tayshon and, and some pretty good skill guys in the secondary. You know, Tayshon Wilson, the talented defensive back from, from Katie Made Creek, uh, signed. He, he got hurt this year and didn't, and really wasn't, uh, and really couldn't play. But, you know, they, they got Isaiah Robinson, who's the four star offensive lineman from Arlington Lamar, to uh, sign with them today. Uh, they've got, you know, really strong other, you know, they've got a strong tight end class between Matthew Kloppenstein, the tight end out of Phoenix, and then again, of course, Hawkins Polly out of Houston Stratford. 
Now, there's mm-hmm. Bryson Washington, who I think has a bright future. The running back from Franklin's got some uh, has got a pretty good ceiling to him. So it's it's you know, and of course Jarrell Boykins, the defensive tackle from Hutchinson Community College in Kansas, who had committed the other day. And then you think about the two uh, portal guys that that, uh, that signed their uh, financial aid documents today: Keetron Jackson, the tight end, or excuse me, the wide receiver from Arkansas. Big physical guy that this offense really needs in their wide receiver group. Some guy that can win 50-50 balls. And then you got uh, Campbell Barrington, the, the offensive lineman from BYU. So those are things to just say, yeah, that's good. You know, we, we built along some, some needs, and we feel like uh-huh. we've got some other good players. It's, but you know this, though, Matt. It all goes back to the guy who's holding the football every snap. And if you don't get quality play from that position, it impacts everything else. And that's where they've got to try and figure out where do we go from here. And how do we make this? And how do we create an environment with our quarterback room that will create a competition or an atmosphere that the other team, that the rest of this locker room can grasp onto and feel good about? And that, because that's the challenge beyond finding a quarterback. All right, Kevin. I'm glad your stove was delivered earlier today. I know that was priority <laughs> number one for you. And um, we, uh, we appreciate your involvement in today's program. And, um, I hope you'll maybe come over to our hotel and listen to some of this live music, okay? It'd be really wonderful. All right. All right, Kevin. Have a great evening. All right. Thanks, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Kevin will be up in the press box with us tomorrow. And Eamon Carter, as the Bears get it on with Air Force, we got to get past all this sad news and go play a football game. And we'll be talking about the ball game. Now, next, 